0: All right, I got a question of the day. If you could be one animal, like regardless of what's going on with COVID right now, but if you could be one animal, what would it be and
1: why? A tiger? No. A There's bear. There's no need to hand raise. We went over this last time, Ryan. I'm pointing to his bear. Oh. <laughs>
0: <laughs> why would you want to be a bear, Ryan?
2: I'd like to be a bear because people would be afraid of me and I would have big teeth.
3: That That's it. People it. would be afraid of you. I don't know if people would be afraid of you yeah. as a bear.
2: And I could eat fish raw that I used my hand to sl- slip out of the, out of mountain streams. Would and be I a grizzly was, bear. Yeah. Yeah. That That's my answer.
3: Daniela?
1: I'd be a dolphin. And I've had that answer since about the fourth grade. Still, nothing nothing's changed. changed. I want to be a dolphin. Why do you want to be a dolphin? because you can you know, swim around and and help people and save the you, fishermen. You
0: can have your own little water fountain, Tim. Exactly, I think okay. it'd be a great time. Hmm.
1: Okay.
0: Nick, what do you got? I'd be an owl. Why? Ooh.
3: Yeah, have you ever seen like owl videos? They're funny little animals, but the ones that can be standing like this and turn around all the way until they're looking behind them, Kind of coach I want to be. Like you think oh. I'm over here, but I've got <laughs> literally eyes in the back
0: of my head.
1: That's a good one. Yeah. What about you kidding? Oh.
0: Mm, you know, it's a it's a toss up. I'd either have to go with a Labrador Retriever, um, or an otter, just because like I think otters are fun and they can just like spin around the water all day and just like yeah, they just do their own thing and people think they're really cute and eh.
1: Otters do get to play all day right yeah all right with that being said i think we should introduce ourselves now that everyone knows what animals we would... now we
0: completely forgot to do that on the first podcast Let's Take it
1: go over, now that we should go in reverse order so now you start
0: oh i start okay. uh my name's katie um i have been with sparks for a couple of years now um and day camps at penn uh, i was a former um assistant coach and recruiter Pen, I don't know why we're all laughing, um, but I recently took a new job. At,
1: oh, I don't have internet. Do I have a yeah. bad Well, you right. boarded, you you like got a little fuzzy, and you're like, I've been at Sparks for a few years now. <laughs> all right,
0: well, I'll sum it up Sparks for a couple years, uh, Cox and Camps for a couple years. Former um, collegiate coach, uh, most recently working with the women at Penn, and I just took a new job as the director of business development and Northeast sales manager for Rower's Choice. Wow.
1: Go team, all right. Beautiful. Uh,
3: my name is Nick. I coach the Columbia Lightweights, and I've been here for 11 years. And, and awesome. you... You've
0: been there for 11 years?
3: I've been at Columbia for 11 years he's been in quarantine for 11 years <laughs> that is how, that is how it feels heaters, right now.
0: So like to specify that that's a yeah, lot i've
3: been at columbia for 11 years and counting um and i went to the ohio state university go bucks and fun fact i have a degree in music performance
1: very special
2: nick nick is a bassoonist it's
3: true
1: are you really yes yeah. God, so Level. Next, Next episode, up. that's what we're doing. <laughs> there's, Everybody's there's, breaking out their musical talents. <laughs> there's no discussion.
2: <laughs> um, my name is Dog. I'm a bounty hunter. I've been a bounty hunter for about 15 years. I went to the School of Life. And uh, it suffices to say, I crossed over from being a bounty to being a bounty hunter.
3: Ah,
0: good.
3: I okay. knew it. So then, it's you're exactly b- what I was expecting.
0: So then the next person to introduce themselves is your BFF, the Tiger King, right? That's you,
1: Daniela. That's me, and I have my Tiger Cub here with me today. <laughs> <No>. um, <laughs> my name's uh, Joe Exotic, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> I'm not quarantining. <laughs> no, just kidding. I'm Daniela, and uh, I've been with Sparks for... Maybe five years now. Uh, I've done some pen camps, Columbia, Florida. Haven't been to Boston, because that's new. I was back in. Not our, missing much. Not missing much. Went to Westland back in the day. I still need to go to Oklahoma, but I try to leave the South slash Midwest during the summer for my sanity. Uh, when I'm not doing Sparks things, I'm finishing up school, and I coach the Alabama men's club team. Roll
2: Tide. Roll Tide. Just so you know, just if we're really doing this, my real name is Ryan Sparks, just so you know.
0: So if we're not really doing this, what does that mean?
2: Well, I'm not really We're We're gonna start
3: calling him dog.
0: Is,
2: Is this reality or is this a construct? A very important theme from Westworld.
1: Oh, she, I hear there's a new season. One of my kids in class was just so, we all had to go around the class, the, the Zoom, and say something positive that had happened to them in the last few days. And she was like, there's a new season of Westwood out. And I was like, oh, good. I'm glad that's your positive takeaway for the last few job. days.
2: Extremely, extremely healthy viewing for viewers K through through 12. Like, definitely something that should inform life philosophy
3: and order. Is there gonna be an edit?
1: <laughs> <laughs> maybe maybe
0: maybe
3: okay um, Nick, sorry i i i'm i got a call i had to decline it you're just it was from mitch, out it was from mitch estens though mitch estens true hero was in the canadian or the australian eight in 2009 and Came to Columbia and helped us uh, put some boys on the metal stand. I don't have anything else. Mitch is awesome. I miss Mitch. He's stuck in Australia.
1: There are worse
3: people back. Would be stuck. So do we? That's true. So We're who gonna edit like, that out? Who
2: who would like to introduce the actual content that will actually keep people listening at the stage or entertain them to a minimal degree? So Nick,
0: roll it out, because this was you.
2: Do you, want, do you want me to go through the...
0: What was your motivation with talking about?
2: Like appetize ones? the listeners. Yes, yes, exactly. Sorry, Kate, I didn't mean to interrupt. Fine. What was your motivation? Yeah. Was that your question, Katie?
0: Yeah, so Nick, what, like, what made you start thinking about this? Like the three types of people, and you, you list them out as uh, one, people who make things happen, two, people who watch things happen, and three, the people who say what happened. Like, what? What brought you to this point that you kind of classified people in those three distinctions?
3: Uh, So I got this from Jim Tressel, who was a coach at Ohio State for the football team for a long time. And this was one of the things that he talked about when he looked for the kind of people that he thought would be on a team that could produce championships. And he said, there's three kinds of people that you're going to find on this team, right? And you find people who make it happen, people who watch it, and people who kind of say what happened. The best teams are full of people who all make things happen. And by doing that, they help each other make things happen. So this got me thinking about, well, what kind, how do we think about that for ourselves? How do we think about that for our team? And if I say, oh, I'm a person who makes things happen, well, how do you actually do that in your daily life, whether it's like in rowing or in the other things you have to do in life so that you can participate in rowing and actually contribute? Um, so that's really what got me thinking about it, and uh, we kind of built on it from there. i keep I always think about this thing. but well, what kind of person are they? Which one of the three?
0: So when you're talking to a prospective recruit, do you always look for the people that are going to make it happen, or do you do you think that there's um, an ability for somebody to you know grow or adapt into another classification? like how do you distinguish those?
3: Yeah, so you can always i think one of the things about these three types of people is it doesn't tell you like who you are just this is who you are it says what kind of choices are you making right because these are all things that are determined by the choices you make so I think you can absolutely learn it right and it's about being observant and paying attention um, to little details I think like the details matter and I just had a recruiting call the other day with a high school coach who was telling me about an athlete who paid such close attention to detail. And we went through some of the instances and that made me say, okay, this is a person who makes things happen, not just for himself, but also for the team and the program. So -hmm. I think you can learn them, um, but you also have to be exposed to those. And I think, you know, really good coaches are good about saying, hey, this is the thing where I saw you kind of standing around, like the trailer loading. Everybody has seen those people. They're like, oh my gosh, the trailer's done
0: right hmm. Hmm. How, like what role I, do
2: you actually play in it i think that there's that's like the, there's a radar and that's built in the coaches that have recruited for more five like five to ten years like after you've spent enough time in recruiting i feel like there's like an intuition like you you have a conversation with a with a student and you're like is this a self is this a self-motivated student is this someone that i can trust to manage themselves and one of the things i have i end up explaining a lot to families in the recruiting process is that for the most part there are definitely schools out there where i think there's a there's a closer degree of pedagogy and and coaching um but i think in an ideal world and particularly on the most selective level coaches are really looking for athletes who can manage themselves there's not a lot of like the ideal is that the coach's job is a performance manager the coach's job is not to hold your hand That's again, on the highest level, I would say that there's definitely teams out there where coaches have to work with walk-ons to get them to even have fun in the sport. But, you know, there's a huge variation. But I would say that 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 radar, I mean, I recently spoke with a recruit who was kind of in a transactional mindset of like, well, if I do this and they like, then what will they give me for it? And how should I ask them what they'll give me for it? And I was like, if you approach them with that, anybody who's an experienced recruiter is not going to respond well because ultimately like it is about you know what can you do for them all the time and like what can you do for that team for giving you a guaranteed potentially place at a very selective institution
3: right
1: yeah i think it also you know kind of just depends on what sort of person and what initiative they take in other aspects of life too Mm -hmm. because you know something um, or a saying that I guess my seniors from three three ish years ago, um they their saying was like, always be first. And it wasn't to always win because we didn't. But it was always be, you know, if something needed to get done, be the first one to do it, be the first one to step up, be the first one to help a freshman, be the first. No matter what it was, always be the first one. Try to be the first one to go and do that. Um and I think if you're surrounded with the right people, with the same mindset, it's really easy to get into those habits and to make things happen. Uh, But I think some of it does depend on your environment. So depending on, you know, how much autonomy these high schoolers have at their high school programs, like that contributes to it because, you know, I think there are some high school programs that are really hands-off and you show up and you row and that's your job. I think there are some where they have some more roles for leadership and ways that, you know, they can take a little more responsibility.
2: And I, I will point out right now, like, you know, anybody listening to this, who's actually in high school, all three of you, um, you know, there's, there's a large problem I would say with like what we're hearing about is kids who um, the team, potentially their team is, is like, you know I read an article that fifty percent of of kids are not checking into online classes, and so I don't know what that really means I can't give you a statistic on how many kids are actually doing the training their coaches are sitting out and like how many teams are actually uh, kind of coming coming together around that. but I mean being first means like actually doing it, but also potentially initiating a zoom call with your teammates, yeah. you know even if you can't get them to train. <laughs>
3: And let's be clear: if you're a college athlete, and your coach is sending you a training plan, as a big no right now, nothing, zero. You could ask for something, but if you're getting stuff,
2: oh Nick, please—that's a very small NCAA violation. You know, I think that we should just consider whether we should clarify. He's
0: not asking for the results; he's just giving it out and just saying, "Hey, this is this is an idea."
3: I'm not even giving it we're not even touching it we're just like yeah go go be fit have fun
0: because they know the importance that if they don't do the work then they're going to come back you know whenever this is lifted say you know the summer where some of them may have you 23 aspirations or coming back in the fall if there is a fall um but um they're going to get left behind, and they they know that because of the principles that you've instilled in – or I'd like to think that, right? I've never been coached by you, but, like, the principles that you instill in your program right now. Yeah.
3: yeah. I think they have a pretty idea of what they need to do, generally speaking. We run into athletes who don't, but I, I would agree with Ryan, like, like, what what how you manage all of that information and what you choose to do. You choose to check into your class or not, or you, you know, you choose to do the workout or not. Like, It's choices. choices. They're all so- choices.
2: I have to ask, should college athletes feel guilty if they're having trouble finding motivation right now? Because, Are you kidding? Because but let's just be clear about this point that you just brought up. You're yeah. not allowed to report back on your workouts to your coaches if you're a collegiate athlete right now. NCAA rules have basically dictated that coaches can send out recommended workouts that you can do. But, you know... I guess the question is if you're a college athlete, and I have no idea why you'd be listening to this if you are, but should you feel guilty if you're having trouble mounting to motivation?
3: Brian, right, I want to make sure you're clear because um, our interpretation that we have is that we can't give kids workouts until probably may thirty first. Well, sure you know, what the- I heard this week we, we You can't even give them. Anything. I mean, People could ask for him?
2: I think you know if you follow the college basketball playbook, you could be paying them like ten grand a month to work out. You know, <laughs> but since we're not college basketball, you know, oh well. But
3: um, yeah, but I don't think that's there. I'm going to let Katie take this one because I think she's she's looking ready to go.
0: Um, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna cop out of this one, um, but. <laughs> <laughs> Um, well, I think Ryan to your, to your initial question, like that, like ignoring, like when coaches can send out workouts, like should a college athlete feel guilty about trying to find the motivation? My gut is, to, is to say, like, we don't really know because nobody's been through a pandemic like this before. So each day is a learning day. We don't want to necessarily. We don't want to justify that oh my god just because you're locked inside like what is you so sorry that like this is happening but rather you know bat, like at least let your athletes know that you hear them and that you know some people are going to be fine and coping with this and some people are going to have a really hard time so we don't even we as adults and coaches as people just living nobody knows how to really get through this because it's so new um so I think that there's a, and we've touched upon this a little bit in the first episode, there's a difference in not seeking out the motivation and not knowing how. Yeah, You're taking absolutely.
3: Situations.
2: So how can one be first in terms of taking care of oneself in the, or how can one make things happen in terms of taking care of, of oneself in this context? In other words, what I'm asking is, is, you know, in terms of making things happen, like isn't that kind of part of this it's not just loading a trailer or being like being ultra motivated to take all the fear you feel and put it in the flywheel of the erg like the question (gasps) is the question is how um can you make things happen you know in the middle of like the ridiculous amount of uncertainty that we feel uh and anxiety i think
1: part of it is You have to be able to differentiate what's in your control and what's not. Because you can really only worry about and make happen what's in your control. So, you know, these kids who might not feel, like, they might not feel motivated, if they don't have access to ERGs, like, that blows, you know? so what are, how are they supporting each other? How are they supporting their teammates? Are they sending each other bodyweight workouts? Are they, you know, sharing their fitness on their watches for runs or bikes? Or, you know, how are they taking the initiative within their control? Because I think, you know, I did a quick survey on my team and over, I mean, probably only about 20% of my guys have access to herbs right now. So like, I I know that's hard. That sucks. That's and you can't even, I think it's hard to think about, you know, the future when you're getting faster and you're coming out of this fit fitter and you're just ready to go when the new season comes, whether that new season is fall or spring. But, oh, I haven't been urging for months because I don't have one. Like how, you know, it's hard. So I think you have to realize what you have control over and then how you make the best out of that situation.
2: I wanna I wanna pitch in and and say that like I think that rowing is partially about community as opposed to the erg, like so if you're only able to create community, like and your team isn't like if people aren't in your team aren't doing the workouts, whatever if you're able to to be the one to initiate,
3: mm-hmm.
2: like that that like I don't know what what children do I mean adults have happy hours on Zoom so I'm assuming that you could get your coke and your popcorn. And have your little Zoom happy
3: hour.
1: They watch as Netflix as well. together. They that's what yeah. some of them are doing. They're watching Netflix together.
3: Okay, well you a good watch prom, Netflix. There's a good Chrome extension for that. I will recommend that
2: everyone in the sport of rowing who definitely is in the recruiting process watch the scheme. If you've got HBO and you can watch the document that documentary, which is about how crazy the basketball recruiting scene is. Um, because I will tell you it makes the entire rowing and I am an expert on rowing recruiting after doing it for 10 years. Um, but it w- makes <laughs> rowing look like we are in kindergarten. We are in kindergarten and we, we can remain in kindergarten. And I, uh, next episode we have decided we will address coaches are getting kids to commit right now. But, like for, you know, when next fall is traditionally when that occurs, we are a late start sports. Be- uh, people, we are not basketball, you know, as a result, like, Committing, having your your recruits commit right now, in my mind, is a flawed strategy on both the recruits' part as well as the coaches' part. But that's just my that's next week. That's next week. Yeah, but
0: there's the hook, line, and sinker. Stay tuned for next week.
2: Um, but that's to say, uh, you know, it's I don't know where I was going with that. I guess I'll I'll just end with the point that. Being ultra productive right now is is a temptation I think a lot of people have, but if all you can do is maintain community, then you're doing better than just um, being depressed, which is potentially better than a lot of people.
1: Where do you uh, where do you think coxswains fit into this? Because you know we've talked about working out and people's ability to do workouts and whether or not they're sharing their workouts or things like that or building community. Where do where do coxswains fit in?
2: So, I've talked to a lot of coxswains, um, and we've we had a little conversation about this before we started the the program. Um, But uh, coxswains are really left out right now, in that you know coaches may be sending out training programs to their teams, but coxswains are thinking, what am I supposed to be doing with my time? You know, can I watch enough YouTube videos of racing that this is actually something, you know, that's helpful? Um, And I think that. For coxswains, it, it's particularly difficult because it takes a crew to, you know, and you want to you want to see if you can steer better. You need a boat for that. You you want to formulate commands, but you need a crew. <laughs> you know, there's there's a lot of pieces to it. But I will tell you that I don't know. I'm I, well, actually let me let me just do the lead in here and let I mean Katie and Nick say what they have to say because they have they have things to say.
0: What well, with that? I'm just gonna leave us like that.
2: Yeah, I'm just gonna leave you like that.
0: Um. What first comes to mind is like the idea of you know if we view the coxswain as a leader, but the potential rower as a servant leader, right? One who kind of leads by example and leads like leads by following, right? If the coxswain can be the one initiating, like hey, like let's all get on Zoom and watch a movie together or watch Netflix or whatever it is, um, then like if it's up to the rowers to lead by example, right? It takes the pressure off them to kind of initiate the action. So the coxswain is certainly in that more and um like i'm gonna use it like power position i guess but like i in in where we are right now i would view coxswains as leaders and and some rowers more as servant leaders so those rowers who may not be you know natural leaders that even like aren't necessarily natural servant leaders to be clear servant leaders like somebody who's just like the biggest and like greatest follower ever um It might give them an opportunity to exercise some skills or to experiment with skills that they may not have had before or experience with that chance to be more vulnerable all right nick what do you got
3: um i think the biggest thing for i would agree with you on all those things i think coxswains can do it i think this for some coxswains they may have a teammate who Like that's something that they're going to naturally do and the thing to do is to know your team. And so if your thing to do as a coxswain is to take the lead, take the lead. If your thing to do as a coxswain is to support the couple people on your team who are going to be the ringleaders, if that's just naturally who they are, your job is to support them. And I think that's the hardest part of being a coxswain. You have to know which one of those things uh, is happening. And then you have to know how to engage and you know how to, how to step in support those people or take over yourself. I think that's, uh, those are some of the big things with the team. The other part for Coxins is like it's a learning thing. Like you're learning about people. You're learning how to talk to people. You're learning how to give feedback. You're learning how to structure that feedback so people don't become defensive and that you can have real conversations. Those are things you can be doing all the time and they don't take a ton of effort like right you can you can sit back you can watch some youtube videos on it there's some great ted talks on it and you can just chill out and say oh yeah that would be interesting and then you're going to come across something that's going to give you an idea and you're going to say this is something that i feel this resonates with me how i talk to the team how i work with the crew how i want to give feedback and you're going to look at that ted talk or you're going to look at whatever it is and then you're going to start okay well where did they get that from and then you go start exploring things then Suddenly three weeks later, you've kind of developed a whole new repertoire of how to communicate and talk. And when you do get back on the water, you'll be ready.
2: So, you know, so I think the leadership point is, is very important. One of the books that we've been recommending, or I've been recommending to a number of coxswains that I've talked, and I've spoken to a lot of coxswains in the last few weeks is, um, Dare to Lead by Brene Brown. Yeah.
0: Uh, Yeah. It's It's
2: good. It's a solid book. Um, That is really helpful in so far as better understanding leadership. I think, you know, so we ask on Instagram, like, you know, what do you want to hear about? Um, And, you know, I hear like Coxon recruiting and recording, Coxon blind spots and how to see around them without messing up your race line. Coxon requests like what do rowers want to heat? I believe that's here and when steering tips, how to evaluate recordings, should you send the coaches versus shouldn't. So just to kind of talk a little bit to each of those things. Uh, first of all, recordings are going to be a weird thing in this recruiting cycle in that coaches are going to recognize you don't have your May racing, like six boats across recording that is like, well, like put together. And as a result, it's a bit harder to put a, a good recording together at this point, unless you just literally want to go in your backyard and do, do it. Um, but that's to say, um, only really in my experience, 50% of coaches are asking for recordings. Um, I would say that some coaches are not. Some coaches are really looking at a coxswain and one, and essentially looking at, I think coxswains who are really want to be competitive about the recruiting process need to have good networking skills. I mean, that's a different skill from rowing or academics. But it's, they, they need to be able to build relationships with recruiters such that recruiters feel reassured that they are uh, of genuine quality. But uh, I'm going to interrupt
3: you. Yeah. what do you define as a good relationship between a coxswain who's a prospect and a college coach? You so, said that here's some things I see in, in a good relationship, whether they get recruited or not. Like, what are you looking for?
2: So the way that I like to think about um, how college coaches kind of intuitively look for a coxswain is, I don't think they see it this way, but I, I think it lines up is the same way that most companies hire a manager in that, The first quality that a company hires a manager for is general management experience and background. So knowledge, skill, ability. The second thing they typically look at is um, the way that manager or the level of experience that manager has with their strategic objectives that are current. So whatever the goals are for the team, um, you know, does the manager understand those? Does the manager know how to facilitate those goals? Or does the coxswain understand the goals for the team? Does the coxswain understand how to facilitate? That. And then the third thing I think is management style or coxing style. So, in other words, you know, what is the kind of expectation of the style on the team? And is the coxswain going to be able to come into that in a pretty natural way? So, those things I think are um, what coaches and coxswains communicate about and can develop a good relationship around, assuming they align on those points and assuming that those, you know, that everything works. But to build into that, Nick, I would say that a coxswain, speaking with a coach, needs a much higher rowing IQ than a rower. And so one of the things you can do as a coxswain right now is not be thinking as much about your calls because um, you don't, can't do much, but you need to be educating yourself a bit about being the sport of rowing. You need to understand you know, why a 2K is 80% aerobic and 20% anaerobic. You need to understand what the parts of the stroke are and how they work in the biomechanics of rowing. You need to have watched world level, world championship level racing and understand kind of what that is and how that works. Um, you need to have watched college racing and be able to comment on that with the coaches if you're talking to them in the, about the recruiting process. It is You can be a student of the sport right now, and that is an X factor that a lot of coxswains miss out on. But the very top end of coxswains, the ones who get recruited at the slots that everybody wants, those those people typically understand rowing on a far better level than the majority.
1: Silence. It's a lot of info.
0: Well, I think Ryan right to your point where you know, the recordings is definitely going to be an interesting thing. I remember sitting on a panel with Bill during one of our coxswains camps, and there was a coxswain that asked, so like, do you require a recording? And Bill and I differed. And Bill's like, absolutely not. And I'm like, I, I don't require it, but you know, if you have it, I'll listen to it, but I'm not necessarily going to make an ultimate decision on, on that one recording. Cause that's one instance. But you know, what I looked for in coxswains were people just to what you were saying that would be good managers, you know, that have the ability to oversee a group of people that can, you know, enforce the, the schedule or the agenda, like keep everybody on track, but that they're also independent. Um, but the other thing too that you didn't mention is the idea of being adaptable, right? Like you want to be able to adapt to given like certain environments, whether it's racing, whether it's practice, or you know, coaching stylistic differences. So what your coach expected of you in high school versus what your college coach now expects, versus what your the assistant coach may prefer. Like they've got to be willing to think on their feet and not just have a very closed mind, uh, closed minded outlook. They need to be. Able and again, I'm going to use the word vulnerable, um, vulnerable enough to put themselves in situations that aren't necessarily comfortable in order to better learn. So I think that idea of adaptability, um, independence, and I think to hold themselves accountable too. You know, it's unfortunate sometimes that we see high school coxswains um, that are just very power hungry and feel very entitled um, and fail to you know, really assume or accept the accountability when something goes wrong. And I think that that's something that, that we need to be aware of. And that as college coaches, I'm sure that Nick and Danielle would agree that hmm. um, if we, we lost. back you, even to no. so like the, did my internet freeze again? Yeah. yeah. God damn it.
3: It was right <sighs> at the perfect time. That's gotta I be.
1: we agree, but just say it one more time. Like, where did I drop off? That I'm sure Nick and Daniela would agree. Oh, that so that fun. was right at the end. Okay. Yeah. So, like, I'm sure Nick and Daniela would agree that,
0: you know, coxswains are, are very, they can be very tricky, but what you ultimately want is somebody that's going to kind of lead the group and, like, bring the group together. And I'm not just saying, like, great, hold hands, skipping hands, sing kumbaya, but somebody who can recognize, you know, the motivation. Um, from each athlete like what motivates them how to push them um and the only like the main way that you're going to find that out is through conversation um i look at how people communicate like how how can a 16 year old coxswain that if i've got one spot how how do i feel like they're communicating just in everyday life like if i ask them you know, what are some of your most memorable moments in the sport of rowing? Like how intensely, like like how emotional are they getting about it? Like can you, are they being very detailed? Are they confident um, in what they're saying? Or are they just saying what they think I want to hear?
3: Mm.
2: I see that. I mean that it's the rarity is finding someone who's who it has the right balance of confidence and adaptability in my opinion. Like that's, someone who's consistently willing to question themselves and yet wants to do a good job versus Mm -hmm. there's definitely that that high school personality type you talked about, which is more like, just kind of like a little too difficult, a little too sure of themselves, a little too, like a a little too arrogant. And sometimes to be honest, I think coaches are at fault for making their coxswains that way. In in terms are, you know, coxswains want their, their team, their teams are like kind of, Uh, pushing on them to be that Napoleonic figure. But to be honest, like all, all great leaders, you know, in the words of Marcus McElhinney, 2008 bronze medalist men's coxswain in the U S men's eight, you know, speak softly and carry a big stick.
3: Um, There's, um, uh, I'm pulling together my, my thoughts on this, but the, the, the vulnerability part is really big because if you can't be vulnerable as a coxswain. Right. Then none of the messages that you need to hear and you need to learn and you need to understand to connect to the people who you're working with, who you're coxing, who your coaches are, are going to get through. And that's hard because that means you're going to have to say, I'm wrong. Oh, I was wrong. I was wrong. I was wrong. And that is OK. Like we want to normalize those kind of mistakes. Like, yes, you you made a genuine mistake because you were believing this. And if you can come at that without a defensive thing, I think that's great. One of the things I've started to do recently is ask um, any prospect, cocksure or not, you know, tell me about a time when you've changed your mind, when you really believed something and then you've you've changed your mind. That to me tells a lot. And what they talk about in those conversations tells me a lot about them. And the thing you were looking for, Ryan, there's a name for that. It's called the Stockdale Paradox, which is where you – have this fervent belief that you are right, you have the answer, and at every second you're also questioning everything you do to make sure that you're right. When you have both of those lined up, that is usually what drives people forward to really high levels of achievement, but it's brutal and it's hard, but it can be learned. It can be learned, and that's the thing that I wanna get across, that you can learn to do that.
2: And how can they learn to do that right now? (laughs) You'd be vulnerable. They have to be vulnerable enough with themselves to actually know what they don't know, or at least start beginning to admit, like, I don't understand X, I don't understand why Y, I don't understand Z. I will tell you, like, yeah. one of the most interesting things to me is that I think in the U.S. in particular, we have a certain expectation that our coxswains are a little bit snippy, a little bit feisty, you know, like, that they're they're a bit more, like, confident and, like, super driven. And to be honest, I I think that that's not a. I mean, that personality kind of foundation isn't very helpful in terms of, um, in terms of what I see performing on the international level. To be honest, I
3: agree with that. It goes back to some of the things we talked about earlier, which is motivation. How do you get motivated for these things? And You know, if if at the end of the day you need a coxswain to get motivated, you need a certain song, you need something else, those are signs that some of those things aren't there. Some of the best ways to do that are to have a conversation with a teammate and realize that you're in it together. Mm -hmm. That is one of the most motivating things. And when coxswains can lead and facilitate that kind of feeling where people feel like, oh, I, I belong here in this group and we are in this together that is when toxins really shine and you can't do that without being vulnerable without believing you can do it but also questioning yourself
2: and let's just be clear your rowers emotions in the boat are not your responsibility your rowers cox- emotions in the boat are not your responsibility your rowers motivation is not your responsibility particularly nope. if you're on a high level Correct. Um, so just a heads up you know, high school coxswains who want to say things, want to make like magical calls that are incredibly Shakespearean. Like an advanced call typically comes from being able to layer layer a bunch of knowledge about rowing, about your rowers, about the weather, about about the boat feel in a very simple way over time such that you and your crew understand it. It's not like some magical statement you pull out in the third 500 of racing and, you know, never said before and then somehow it just works. That's not how it works.
3: (laughs) Rule number one of successful high-end racing, do what you know. Do what you know, that's it. If you do anything else, it's not gonna go well. Do what you know. And if you wanna know that, you have to practice it. Mm
0: Mm-hmm. And you've gotta
1: be willing to fail.
3: Be vulnerable and be told you're wrong, you're wrong, you're wrong. Mm
1: -hmm. And then let's plug Brene Brown one more time. <laughs> so the reason, yes. so let's go full circle. The reason Ryan's been recommending this dare to lead book to a lot of Coxsins is because Brene Brown talks a lot about vulnerability and what it means to have empathy and how you reach or how you can reach that level with people and within yourself. So yeah. if coxswains are like, well, how do I get to this point that we're talking about? I think that, even if you don't want to read her entire book, she has some really great content on her website, on her Instagram, and TED Talks and podcasts. Awesome. Yeah,
0: she just has a brand new podcast uh, called "Unlocking Us," and one of the first episodes she talks about, she calls it the FFT, um, and I'm going to rename it. She does um, for you know appropriate o- audiences terrible first time. Mm-hmm. So I mean, if we think about what the F, whatever. Um, but she she goes on to say like you know, what we're all experiencing right now with this uh pandemic is like this is an FFT for everybody. Nobody knows what this is. So if like if Coxswains, I think this would be a great episode. So you know, Brene Brown, if you if you ever listen to this, we are putting so many plugs your way. Um but I think if Coxswains can, you know come up with these ideas of like all right what are my ffts like all right i'm coming up to varsity for the first time like all right you know what are my action steps can i come to and she talks about like coming to realization with it she talks about um kind of putting herself in, re, in a reality check um i thought that was very great so you know renee brown huge tool for coxing
2: so that's what
3: yeah.
2: there's a go ahead
3: One of the things I got from Oscar Zaria, who was a Columbia grad, but then he went to Oxford and he won the boat race, was he spent a lot of time talking with me and then our team about strategy and tactics. And really, 99% of your entire career is on strategy. And the strategy in rowing is cover more distance per stroke, Mm -hmm. right? That's it. I mean, at some point, you can't increase the rating anymore, like, right, you're at a race, you're in a sprint, like, you're going as fast as you can the main thing you're trying to do all the time is get a little farther per stroke, get a little farther per stroke. Tactics are this like these very little snapshots in time where you have to do something in order to change a race outcome. But we end up spending so much time talking about the tactics, the magic call when really 99.99% of our time is about how are we improving on our strategy? How am I making calls to help us get more run for stroke, to develop more feel, to adapt to new people in the boat, to be a little more controlled with the blade, all the things that affect the strategy. Mm -hmm. So I mean, keeping all these things focused on the right thing that's going to give you the most bang for your buck is the most important part right now. Like what's your strategy?
0: Mm -hmm. And how do you communicate that strategy back? It's not just like, it's not constructing the perfect call, but it's, how are you efficiently communicating what that strategy is in your head to your rowers so that they can think less <laughs> about the that needs to happen <clears throat> god damn it <laughs> <laughs>
3: that's edit, the second edit, edit we're
2: gonna have edit. to edit oh. um, white
0: flag here just white flag like whenever,
2: I, whenever you say anything really like like <laughs> good it just the internet is your enemy
3: <laughs> Things you can control and things you can't.
0: can't get, well, I, could, no. I could control my internet. I
3: <laughs> do you, do you want to repeat that one
0: last time? No, okay. I don't. <laughs> um, what I think happened? The, <laughs> the last line was just like, figure out how to communicate the strategy in your head to the rowers, so they think less about the words that you're saying and more about the action that needs to be done. Yeah. Did, Did we, that go through that time? Yes. Yeah. Great. Thanks. I'm just gonna shut up for the rest of the podcast.
2: Well I mean we got two minutes of the podcast left at best. So how do we Let's want to switch up? over?
0: What are we reading?
2: Mm.
3: I pulled my books out.
2: Um so I mean the top one kind of sucks, by the way, the one you just the trillion dollar coach, that's not a I don't I don't like that book. Um
3: What? I liked it.
2: Well, we can disagree. We can agree to disagree. <laughs>
3: um,
2: I'm reading The Lord of the Rings for like the second time this year right now. Nice. Um, Classic. Like I find it comforting. And um, I should be telling you that I'm reading Brene Brown, but I read that already this year. And I don't really want to read nonfiction right now.
3: So, not. Ryan, you read my favorite book ever. my My actual favorite book ever this year, which was? Dune.
1: Dune? Dune? Uh, yeah. do
3: you any? D-U-N-E. D-U-N-E, Frank Herbert. I
2: should have known that. I, I, I can't. Yeah, okay. Yes, I read Dune. I was thinking about reading the sequel to Dune. I have not gotten to that yet. I listen to the audiobook book version. I never really read the books. I just listen to the auto book because it helps me like, do things with my hands while I'm listening to the books and I can appreciate that. But yes, Dune. I would recommend it was a very interesting read. I probably will re- reread that one as well as Lord of the Rings because I like that one too. What
1: are you watching? You're listening to you, Katie. Reading. I want to
2: apologize though because I should have known that Nick. Like,
0: um, <laughs> no, you just let him down big time.
2: Defriended.
0: Are you guys even friends?
3: <sighs> we were roommates for two years.
0: Um, we had squirrels. Well, you at know, time. some roommates work out better than others. Just saying.
3: It was great. We had an awesome time.
1: Shout we out.
2: watched all That's of Stargate on. sb One together.
1: Me uh, 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 and Disney. Saratoga. No. There's soda. We weren't in search. Danielle was
0: my built in nurse. And, like, again, uh, shout out to the campers that were there that watched me split my foot open on an oyster bed. I still have the scar on my foot. So, I'm feeling fine.
1: It was the best of times and the worst worst of
0: times. Uh, On that note, I'm reading Blank by Malcolm Gladwell. Oh, yeah. But the one that I got to go with, it's, you know, lighten up Instagram, is Untamed. Oh,
3: I've heard about it.
0: Is it good?
1: Do you like
0: it? Super, super good. Um, it's a memoir. Um, so, but I don't feel like it's a traditional memoir that is just very like factual. It's very much just like a real life story. Um, so highly recommend it. Oprah recommended it. So, you know, so does Reese Witherspoon. It's gotta be good. You know, the New York times did. So,
1: um, Danielle, what are you reading? Uh, I'm trying really hard to finish my dissertation, so I'm just reading my manuscript over and over again. It's by me, Susan Arat, 20. Is
0: it mm-hmm. gonna be an American's bestseller?
1: It probably won't. Hopefully no one will read it, but. I'm definitely reading it.
0: <laughs> Nick will read it to me over the phone, so it'll be my audio book. Ryan can join yeah, it. I can join
1: <laughs> it. I will,
2: do, I will be the sound engineer, because Dune and Lord of the Rings both have sound effects. That's wow, that's probably really cool. Dune, for like, whatever cool. reason, they, they, use this, they use this sound effect through the entire audiobook of Dune that makes it, they're in kind of like a, I don't know, a refrigerator. <laughs> they're reading the book from inside a refrigerator, yes.
0: A refrigerator's loud?
2: And it's like a humming noise, like, mm. like you're in this, like maybe you're on a spaceship. You know.
3: Like a little but, bit of like, like, almost like a film noir background kind of noise. Like a I
2: say We
0: just went to one extreme, to like a refrigerator to a spaceship.
1: Can we just discuss yeah. that for a minute?
2: The refrigerator and a spaceship sound the same.
1: Yes. From the inside. From the inside. I'll, we'll test the theory next week. Next week, from inside the refrigerator. <laughs>
0: <What> <laughs> you, you have recover? the Corona crew <laughs> coming to you live <laughs>
1: talking about recruiting.
0: <laughs> Until then, kids, stay safe, stay healthy.
3: <laughs> Wash your hands
0: wash your hands, love (laughs) your Sparks family.
3: Bye. Yay, we did it.